Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by Senior Coordinator of Social Media Content at the San Francisco 49ers, Patty Kwan. Patty shares her journey from the Sacramento Rivercats to the 49ers while talking about the importance of fighting for yourself and diversity in hiring. She also shares her tips for the best types of social media content, staying on top of social media trends, and much, much more. This conversation is fun and engaging, so make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Patty, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. Thank you so much for having me, Tracy. I'm excited to be here. I am very excited to have you. I get to see you on the practice field like every day, um, but this is really fun to get to talk about what you do, and I'm lucky enough to get to see you in action. So I'm excited for our listeners to get to kind of hear the step-by-step. So let's start with your professional journey and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, well, again, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, my professional journey was kind of an interesting one. I, I graduated from UCSB in 2016. And while I was there, I knew I wanted to get into sports. And so I participated um, in like the UCSB athletics marketing department where I kind of took on a lot of different roles. I did promotional marketing for the men's soccer team. I did like equipment management for the women's basketball team. And then my senior year, I did uh, video production. And after I graduated, um, I was perusing Teamworks a lot and then, and indeed and trying to find jobs and in, in the industry that I thought I could fit in. And um, social media actually never even really crossed my mind because it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a thing back then. Like back then I was using Instagram to just like filter my pictures. Okay. Um, so it's kind of crazy to see how much it's grown. But um, I came across a listing for a social media internship with the Sacramento River Cats. And um, I had a really good interview with them. And within a week, I moved from LA to Sacramento and basically took over their Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and like Snapchat. And that was my first experience really working for like a professional brand that was verified and had, you know, tens of thousands of followers, which was like a lot of pressure. And so like, Mm -hmm. I had a very patient manager who like, I asked so many questions and I know they say there's no such thing as a dumb question. I'm sure there was a dumb question or two because I was like, it was my first like job, even though it was an internship, it was my first foot in the door of, of sports. Um, and so I did that first season kind of capturing all the content, creating graphics, which were really bad. And like live tweeting, doing all that kind of stuff. And then my current position opened up on Teamworks and it was part-time at the time. And so after the, the baseball season in Sacramento, I, applied for this one. Um, and I got it. And so I've been here for four years. And when I first started, my job was very much 
customer service oriented. It was kind of more interacting with the fans on social. I didn't really have the keys to the accounts quite yet um, <laughs> until a few years in. Um, so it's always funny when people are like, oh, like the intern runs the account. Like, no, like they don't just like let anyone run these accounts, especially with, you know, nine plus million followers uh, across. So um, had to kind of earn earn the trust of, of my manager. And, um, you know, after two years being part time, I was able to become full time. And so I'm heading in my second year full time with the Niners and uh, it's been kind of a whirlwind. So that's that's kind of a condensed version of how I got to where I am today. So going back to your time with the Sacramento River Cats, you weren't using social. Were you using social for personal use or were you just not big into social media? Yeah, I was definitely using social for personal use. Um, like my personal Twitter was just like Facebook status updates. Mm-hmm. Like before Twitter was a thing, it was like Facebook, right? And like, I remember I used to be on Facebook like all the time poking people or like writing <laughs> on people's walls or like sending random statuses. And then Twitter came along and I feel like it took that kind of like status update um, feature that like Facebook had. And then mm-hmm. it became, you know, uh, a way to just share information and, and learn information from different outlets. And, and then Instagram, like I said earlier, I was basically just using Instagram to put filters on my pictures, not even, you know, no caption. Like if you scroll to my, very first post on Instagram, there's like no caption. They're super random because I just wanted to put like weird, super like um, sepia tone filters on my photos. Um, So I was definitely using it for personal. And I know that doesn't necessarily translate into like doing it professionally, but I think having that background and knowing like what each platform is kind of known for mm-hmm. helped um, when I got the internship in Sacramento. You said you had a very patient manager. So when you came in, like it was there any sort of training or checklist on how you do social for a brand in the way that you now had to do it? No, I mean, it was kind of, it's funny because my manager in minor league baseball, you wear so many different hats. Mm-hmm. Um it is such a grind. And I know a lot of people get their start there and can relate, but it's super grindy. It's super busy. There's a million games. Um, and so it's really hard to, you have to constantly try to be creative. And so my manager was actually also like the media relations manager who also just oversaw social and like, he wasn't super big into social. And so he was kind of just like, all right, like you're, this is, you're going to take this and kind of run with it. And, and he was just there to kind of help me um, just make sure we're hitting the right tone, making sure that we were resonating with fans and everything. Um, And I even back then it was still, it was still kind of growing at the time. And so um, there were certain things that certain things that they wanted to promote and certain like kind of KPIs that they wanted to hit. And um, I think there wasn't a ton of knowledge of social at the time where I had another higher up who was like, we want eight posts a day across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, which was always a, like, that is a very large ask. I think. A lot of, um, a lot of posts. Was it eight posts on each platform? 
Yeah, it was eight posts on each platform, like per day. It was very ambitious. And, you know, back then I was like, okay, like, let's do it. But like, now looking back, I'm like, wow, I was really scraping the bottom of the barrel for, you know, any sort of content. And this was like, like an internship. So I really had to be creative and scrappy and, you know, put things out regardless of how they performed. Like, um, and so I was using a lot of crowd tangle just to see, you know, what other teams were doing. And it, it, it was very much minor league baseball. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a good time. That was fun. Well, that, that leads me into my next question is, you know, now, Obviously, it's you're working for an NFL team and and you guys are very creative. And I'm wondering, this is kind of a it's one question in three parts. So <laughs> the question first being, how do you find different ways to be creative on social? And then let's say, you know, you're coming out to a training camp practice. What are kind of the benchmarks or the things you're looking for on that day or any practice day as opposed to what you're looking for on game day? Those are good questions. Um, I think as far as finding different ways to be creative, uh, I think a lot of it is being very in touch with social. So constantly looking at what's trending on Twitter or on, on Instagram or, or even TikTok um, and just staying up to date with those kinds of trends um, and being, being aware of, of pop cultural trends like when movies are dropping or when albums are being released. I personally love watching television. And so I think in quarantine, I finished like 20 different series because I can binge watch like no other. And so I know like growing up, it's like, oh, don't watch too much TV. But I think honestly, like watching all that TV has helped me come up with, you know, different caption ideas or just, you know, drawing inspiration from those. And and if people get it, they get it. And if they don't, you know, they don't, but, um, you know, I think you can have a lot of fun that way and, and include some like Easter eggs sort of in in copy and stuff like that. So, um, and then it also helps that, you know, my boyfriend works in sports social as well. And so I use him as a sounding board and I will throw out any and every, you know, caption idea or content idea at him. And I use him kind of as a barometer of, okay, this is going to hit or like this is going to completely miss. So that <laughs> is always a plus, um, having someone who's, who's, who has a good knowledge of, of the industry and those trends as well. Um, to answer your second question about benchmarks during practice versus game day, um, I think it's tough because <laughs> I think um, a lot of practices on social can kind of look the same, like, mm-hmm. especially in camp, right? Like, uh, without actual, you know, hitting it's your, the highlights are all, you know, really good catches by your receivers or your tight ends or like really good plays by your defensive backs. So it's kind of limited how much you can kind of show, um, you know, like in game we're we're promoting, we're highlighting sacks and we're highlighting, you know, fumbles and a lot of the things that kind of come with contact, which we don't necessarily get right now. Um, but I think just being mindful of things that our fans want to see. And so 
a lot of that comes um, with listening and just looking through our notifications and like looking through and seeing kind of what the chatter is around our team and um, kind of, you know, giving the people what they want um, to the best of our ability. And so gauging that, I think, um, just comes through, through listening and through interacting with our fans. And, you know, if we put something out and it doesn't necessarily resonate or it doesn't, you know, people aren't that interested in it. We know next time, okay, like let's focus on this going forward. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably the best way I'd put it. Do you ever have a disconnect isn't the right word, but is there ever an, a situation where, you know, the fans really want something that because you also have a responsibility to the brand and the team that you just can't show them. Um, and how do you kind of work around that or reconcile that? Did that question make sense? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's, we've seen a lot of that this year. Um, mm-hmm. There's just been a lot of, of conversation and, you know, around the quarterback situation and stuff like that. And um, I think a I think over communicating in those instances is really important. So we, you know, we work closely with, with our studios teams who's, who's filming um, during practice and, you know, getting PR approval and stuff like that, just so that we're all on the, the same page. And um, I think, yeah, first and foremost, you know, we're loyal to our, our guys and we want to make sure that we show them in a really, in a good light. Um, you know, I know a lot of them are on social and, you know, engage with fans and with our content too, which is awesome. And, and so I think it's really important to, to not only to know that not only fans are looking at this, but like our players too. And so, um, and then in order to maintain that trust and those relationships, um, just being really mindful of, um, of their feelings and, and just their, um, how they might, perceive something online. And so it is kind of a balancing act. And, um, you know, if I, if I ever have questions or anything, you know, it doesn't hurt. You can't ask too many questions, especially when it comes to protecting your team. So my default is always ask, you know, never just like, Oh, we'll just see how this goes. Like if I'm ever unsure, I'm always going to ask. Have you ever had a situation without revealing the situation or the person or anything where you have had someone come to you and they were upset or offended by something that, that you guys did and how would you handle that? Yeah. I mean, I've never had that situation in particular. I I can recall posts that we thought someone would like, and they ended up not liking, um, which I think is just good to know going forward because, you know, we come up with so many ideas to promote these players and this team and think, you know, we don't know them like, I don't know them like the back of my hand, but I know, I think I know them pretty well that, um, you know, sometimes there are things that, you know, we don't know that are, that are going on that they might not appreciate, like they might not want publicized and stuff like that. And so, I think it just, it comes with anything else where it's a learning situation. Like if anything is even on the cusp of being controversial at all, like, you know, ask or run it by someone. Um, So we haven't had any of those incidents. I think, you know, me and and the team have a really good grasp of 
of our players and their personalities and how to best showcase them. And so, um, you know, making sure that we're always doing our, our kind of due diligence to make sure that they're, you know, appreciative, appreciative of, of what we're putting out and, and enjoy it too. Do you have any sort of checklist that goes into each post? Um, yeah, I'd say so. I think we like to, we like to break down content into buckets and then making sure that whatever we're putting out either, you know, educates, entertains, or engages our audience. And so, um, you know, I work really closely with our studios team who puts out our videos and our design team for graphics. And then, you know, Keon, our senior team reporter for articles, um, and our photographers for galleries. And so there's all this content that is living, you know, on our website that, we want to promote on social. And so um, I think oftentimes most all of that content falls into one of those buckets, but I think it's making sure you know uh, your audience and where those different content pieces are going to best perform. Um, And so, you know, it's not one size fits all. I think we've learned in the last couple of years that I've been here where we used to get something, just put it everywhere. And sometimes that's still the case. If we know it'll kind of resonate across platforms. But I think um, in knowing how people consume content Mm -hmm. and how they consume it differently on different platforms is really important. Um, And so making sure that, uh, you know, on Twitter, you're not putting like a 10 minute video up knowing that people are scrolling and you really have to kind of get their attention really quick. Um, so, so a lot of that comes with just experience. Um, I'd say I'm also really, really meticulous about spelling and sentence structure. So <laughs> I, I mean, you can never be too careful when things are going out to millions of people. And so I'm triple checking my spelling and, and everything. And, um, that gets a little harder on game days, but I, I, you know, there's like two typos that I can remember very vividly that have gone live, which aren't like awful typos, but like typos that I remember. <laughs> they stuck and, in your mind. If there's two, if there's yeah. two, you can remember them. They stuck in your mind for yeah, sure. There are two typos that are, and they weren't even bad. Like, you know, didn't, you know, we weren't called out or anything. It was just like, for me personally, I was like, darn it. I let this, I missed this one or these two, I guess. But, um, you know, that stuff happens and uh, you kind of just move on from it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I read every article that comes through. I look at every video that comes through just so that I can accurately and um, creatively market these different content pieces. Um, and so I just want to make sure that, you know, we resonate with our fans across our different platforms and stay true to our brand. Um, so those are kind of just my, you know, quick checkpoints. That makes sense. I think those are, you know, important checkpoints for all of us. And it's so funny with social media. Like I know there are times where I, I create a tweet and I look at it like five times and I'm like, something feels off, but I can't find the typo. So I'm like, must be in my head. And then I tweet it. And then of course, as soon as it's out, I'm like, wait a minute, there's the typo. There it is. Yes. And, it's, and yes. it's like glaring. <laughs> it's not even, so, but it just, I think social media is an interesting world because 
you know, hopefully you can catch it quickly enough to delete it and start over or kind of make a joke of it, like retweet it and be like, what I meant was whatever. But that being said, I noticed a lot of typos in social media because people are just getting it out so fast. But of course, what you're doing is much different because you are representing a team and, and a brand. Right, exactly. Um, and and I think just knowing that there are people who are going to call you out, like, immediately if something is wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I'm the same way where I've literally looked over a, a sentence for like, like, two minutes. And I push tweet and then I notice it as soon as it's live. But, you know, I still, um, I still, I'll ask people, you know, hey, can you QA this? Can you double check that everything's good here? And, and then, you know, we really do work as a team here. So luckily, yeah, the, just those two that I can recall and hopefully no more going forward. Um, you've mentioned obviously working as a team and being able to run things, you know, past your boyfriend. How important is it, you know, in that team environment to really work together and not be competitive because you are all working towards the same goal? Uh, yeah, I think it's funny that people think we just throw things on social when, you know, I need a graphic and I need like a link to the website and both those things have to come from like another person, um, whether it's design or, or a digital team. And so it's really important that we're all kind of on the same page and that we, like I said, over communicate um, for, for upcoming events and things like that. Um, and making sure that everything is kind of in line. So like everything's within brand standards and that everything um, is, is true to the brand and true to like how we, how we portray ourselves on social media. Well, with that in mind, um, that also you're doing a really good job in leading me into my next question. So thank you very much for that, making my job very easy. Um, what tips do you have for navigating trolls? Because obviously what you do with the troll on your own personal account is different with what you're going to do on, on the team account. So how do you deal with it? Do you ignore them? Do you engage? What is kind of what is your personal policy or preference? I th it's funny because... I always tell others don't read the comments and it's like a funny thing within like the sports, you know, SM sports community mm -hmm. is like, don't read the comments. Uh, that's way easier said than done. Um, I always read the comments um, from our team accounts, but I think that part of that is, is listening and just seeing, you know, what's resonating and what's not. Um, I think when it comes to personal accounts, you shouldn't, especially when you have such a huge platform and you're an individual, I would recommend not doing it. But I think for a brand, it is kind of important to kind of get feedback from your fan base. Um, and, and like I said, see, see what's resonating and see, you know, what's not, you know, selfishly, if I know a tweet or, you know, a post is really clever or something, I'll read it. And I'll be like, okay, great. Like it's a little more like, you know, self, self-assurance, like, okay, I'm doing a good job here. Um, and then there are other times where you put something out and it just doesn't hit or like, you know, someone comments ratio or someone comments L, whatever, like that's going to happen. And like, I, I just learn not to take it personally and to just, you know, continue to stay true to, you know, both myself and, and how I know to do the job for the brand. And I think that not taking it personally is such good advice generally, because people who are trolling and making really mean and awful comments 
that's about them. <laughs> it's not about anything else going on. And it, it's certainly not personal. Yeah. And I know, I always know that too. And so it's, I mean, I, 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 I obviously understand it's way easier said than done, but at the end of the day, it's like so many people, like the people who are trolling probably would like, you know, do anything to get this job. But here I am. In yeah. This job. A hundred percent, a hundred percent accurate. It's a great way to look at it. If you could give someone one piece of advice for starting a career in your industry, what would it be? Um, I think it'd be to fight for yourself um, and to know your worth. I think, you know, as much as we are so much of a team um, on the, on the, on the team side, um, on the brand side, uh, you still have to fight for, you know, promotions and things that you earn. Um, I always say like, we don't deserve anything necessarily, but you earn everything through your work and through your work ethic. Um, and so with that, you know, honing, honing your craft and just, you know, becoming an expert in, in your field. And so for me, that's, you know, social media. And I by no means think I'm like an expert at all, but I do think I'm very capable and, and competent at, at what I do. And so, um, you know, over the past few years for me, that's been, you know, using that growth to my advantage and, and, and leveraging, you know, whether it's promotions or, or traveling or, um, whatnot. Um, I think the biggest thing is to fight for yourself, um, and to speak up. I like that. Speak up. How have you seen opportunities grow and change for women in the sports industry? And how do you feel we can still improve? Yeah. I mean, I see it every day when, when I look around the organization, even when I go out to practice, I mean, I'm surrounded by incredible women within, you know, marketing. And, and even when I go out there and I see people like you and like Jennifer Lee Chan and Kiana, it's just like really encouraging to see that there are women who have worked so hard to get to where they are um, and are doing it at a really high level. Um, you know, I think it's nice to look around and not feel like I stand out because I'm the only girl. It's nice to look around and see that it's pretty, you know, it's, it's not necessarily 50, 50, but I think it's a fair representation of, of kind of where we're headed as, as women in this industry. And, and it's like really, I think it's really encouraging. Um, there's, I think there's definitely room for improvement and um, especially I think when it comes to women and women of color and, and just, um, you know, how much impact that we can have um, because representation at the end of the day is so important um, to create positions for, for women and to advocate for women. And so, you know, the more, the more women that we have in leadership, um, I think the more they'll advocate for, for women on their team and qualified women who, who are very competent um, at their jobs. And so, um, I think we're getting there. Um, you know, within NFL social, we're pretty split 50, 50, as far as social and social managers and coordinators go, which is really, really encouraging. But I think there's, you know, there's still, there still needs to be some work done as far as diversity and, and hiring 
people of color because, you know, those backgrounds and, and our differences ultimately help tell our different stories and, and bring different, we bring different things to the table. And so um, I think we're getting there and we're really close and I don't think the work ever really stops. I think that's true. I think the work really probably doesn't ever really stop. And we've probably made so much progress than maybe it was, let's say 20, 25 years ago, but it's still not even close to where we should be. Um, but I think talking about it and like you just said, having talked about it and talk about how important it is to have diversity is, is one way that we can continue to make it better to talk about it, advocate for it and push for it. Definitely. What is a misstep that you see women making when trying to break into the sports industry? I think putting, putting a ceiling on themselves and sometimes pigeonholing themselves into certain roles. You know, I, um, I was listening to a few of the other podcasts and, and I've heard it amongst people that I've talked with that a lot of us who are in the industry now used to think like, oh, I have to be a sideline reporter to get into this industry. And so a lot of us were like, I'm going to go into broadcast journalism. I'm going to be the next Sarah Andrews or, you know, whoever. Um, and so I think, um, that's kind of a common misconception. And, um, you know, I think in having more women and in, in all these other roles outside of, you know, reporting and, and stuff like that, people are seeing that there are opportunities that you might not have known existed because a lot of them are, you know, behind the scenes. Um, I think it's easy to aspire for something that you can see visibly, you know, for instance, mm-hmm. I like reporting and reporters on TV. Um, but, you know, I love being behind the scenes and there are just so many jobs that are happening behind the scenes that, you know, it's, it's, it's podcasts like these um, or, you know, just uh, video pieces or whatever on, on people who are working behind the scenes because I think it helps educate people on what opportunities are, are out there. And so I, I think the more awareness that there is about these jobs and, in social and marketing and, um, design and, and everything, uh, is going to ultimately provide useful, uh, or prove useful, I guess, um, for, for women who want to break into the industry, but don't necessarily know how. That's a very good point. And you said something that I think is so interesting that, of course, it's easy to aspire to something you can see. Um, and that's why it is so important to bring attention to all these behind the scenes jobs, because there are so many opportunities for women in sports. And being a sideline reporter is amazing. And being in front of the camera is incredible. But there are so many opportunities and so many different you know, career paths in the world of sports that making sure people know about them is, is the first step. Um, and I think social media helps. I mean, that's a huge part of it because that is where people see things even more now. It's not just what they see on TV. It's what they see on social. Exactly. And I'm seeing more and more teams kind of shed light on like the people behind the scenes. Like I know the Panthers schedule release video, it was, it featured their entire like marketing department just brainstorming mm-hmm. like what should we do for schedule reveal which is kind of cool because it kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit it's like oh wow like 
these are the people who are basically talking to us every single day, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's also kind of weird. I feel like the Wizard of Oz a little bit. Like, <laughs> you know, everyone recognizes Kiana when I'm with her, which is like amazing because she's amazing and she's like, you know, like her face is always on the big board at Levi Stadium. And it's so funny that, you know, are these people probably follow us on social media, but have like no idea who I am and like why I'm always hanging around her. So it's kind of one of those things, like if you know, you know, but um, yeah, I, I, I honestly love it. I think it's awesome that we're able to highlight um, a lot of these jobs and, you know, shameless plug here. We, we have, I don't know if you can promote another podcast on here, but we do have a, an inside the oval podcast that, you know, my colleague Haley, Haley runs and she kind of just interviews different people around the organization, um, which is really cool. It gives you a nice little inside look into, into the 49ers. I think that's awesome. And, it, and it's a great podcast. So if you guys aren't listening to it, you should be because it is really fantastic. And it, and even if you're not necessarily a 49ers fan, it does give you a really good idea as to what goes on in an organization and everything that goes on to getting the team on the field on Sundays and all the content you watch and all of the things. So highly recommend Inside the Oval. So we can definitely promote other podcasts on here. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Patty, can you take us through, I think this will be really fun for people. We ask people for day in the life a lot and we get day in the life on game day from a variety of different people. But I think your game day, day in the life is going to be very eye-opening and interesting. So can you take us through a Sunday? We'll go Sunday. We won't go Thursday or Monday. We'll go with a Sunday. Okay. Like a Sunday, like one o'clock kick. Okay. Yeah. Like from the moment I get up or like once sure. I get to Let's the do it. I, I find it myself. Very interesting. Basically it's a talking Instagram story. Yes. Okay. <laughs> great. Until, until you're done for the day. Okay. So typical Sunday game day. Um, I'll usually pick out my outfit the night before. Very smart. Um, just because I'm so indecisive and it's like the worst. My boyfriend hates it. I'm so indecisive. Like I just need to figure it out the night before so I don't have to deal with it on game day. So I'll pick up my outfit before, get a good night's rest. I'll usually get up and my goal is to usually get to the stadium around three hours before kick just so we can get arrivals and all that stuff. So I'll get ready at home. I'll usually grab a coffee. I need caffeine. Like mm-hmm. absolutely need it. Feel that multiple times throughout the day. Um, get my coffee. I live right down the street from the stadium. So it's a very easy commute. Um, but I'll, I'll park, I'll walk over. I'll usually get to my desk and set up my laptop and everything. I'll usually talk to my manager, Johnny and Meg, because we all do social on game day and we'll, um, kind of talk about our roles. And so, um, yeah, that, that, so the roles meeting usually happens during the week and we usually kind of delegate like, okay, Patty, you're on Twitter, Meg, you're on Facebook, John, you're on Instagram. So we'll have a little, little brain session, uh, pregame. I'll usually go through and see what's coming through Slack. Um, you know, arrivals, photos, any, anything, any information we need to get out pregame because we also run the Levi stadium accounts too. And so, mm-hmm. It's important for us to get out, you know, know before you go type information, bag policy, event guides, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where the customer service comes into play. Um, so it's balancing that with also like team content. So we'll do that. And that's why I kind of try to get there early just to assist in, in kind of that customer service role that or any um, 
any issues we might get on social. Then the mm-hmm. fun part begins when we go down to the field pregame. Um, and I love to just stand in one spot and like get guys coming out of the tunnel and interacting with fans. Um, and, and the beauty of social is that you can post pretty much from wherever you are. So like I have Slack mm-hmm. on my phone, I can download really nice images that our photographers take that are, um, that are design team cuts and, you know, post those in real time on any of our platforms. Cause I have them all. Um, but you know, it's really that live element that I think is so exciting. And so mm-hmm. getting guys, you know, reactions when they when as soon as they see that cell phone camera they like they typically tend to turn it on so (laughs) that's always fun to get um you know because levi stadium holds seventy five thousand people but there's you know millions who can't who aren't going to make it on a game day and so a big part of our job is to make sure like if you're not here you can still share in the experience through our social channels um but yes so pregame just uh grabbing some warm-up stuff, some fan stuff. Um, if we're fortunate enough to get into the tunnel, like the player tunnel that they run out of, they'll usually mm-hmm. play some licensed music that we we can't necessarily put on social anymore. But they'll usually play some kind of song to get the guys all hyped. And you know, I love getting those those dancing videos with all the, the smoke and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say I'm on Twitter, I'll do that. I'll run up to the press box. Um, get situated there and then I'll open Twitter, Twitter producer, NFL Jesus, oh, <laughs> like Good old NFL Jesus. <laughs> yeah, for those uh, live updates. And um, I usually have like a notes tab open on my laptop because I have like this running list of like copy ideas that I want to use or get off in game or. You know, it's a lot of fun for like our theme, like our throwback games where we're in the jerseys because I like mm-hmm. to, I like our, I'd like to tweet like 90s slang and stuff like that and just kind of have fun with it because otherwise it all sounds the same. So yeah, no, try that's to, all of that. yeah, try to switch it up where I can. Um, so that's all happening uh, in game is, is, you know, watching, um, tweeting gifts, tweeting, um, score updates, tweeting, uh, just, you know, live tweeting, like, like you're there. And I, I tend to move away from like play by play. Um, mm-hmm. thankfully beats like you and all the other beats kind of do that, do that for me a little bit. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, a lot of what I tweet in game is very reactionary. Um, you know, I kind of, ca- I want to capitalize on like uh, the fan excitement. So like if Debo scores a touchdown, it's like a boom Debo gif. And then the highlight of Debo scoring. Um, so it's, it's a little less wordy for me. Um, and, and it helps when you guys are, are always on top of it. Um, and a little more, you know, reactionary, a little more, um, conversational, a little more engaging, um, on our, on our side of things. Um, it's and- funny that when you said, have to interject on the, it's funny because sometimes I forget and I'll tweet and I'll just be like, wow. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? What? Wow. I'm at work. Tell me what, what? And I'm like, oh, right. okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. Okay. Here's what happened. But it's so funny because I'll just be like, wow. And then there's right. like a lot of like, what? Wow. Tell me what are you talking about? What right. happened? Or if I'm like, yeah. oh no. They're like, what happened? It's just, I have to like, sometimes I forget that. 
idea. Yeah. Explanatory. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's so true because they say, you know, tw- Twitter is the world's greatest sports bar. And so it's true. for fans watching, you know, it, you know, but like, there's probably a lot of fans that follow you because they're not watching. And then it's right. like, you know, they're relying on you almost as their second set of eyes, which is, you know, not an easy task, but no. it's just so hard when you see something really impressive to just not tweet. Wow. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that happens, happens to the best of us. Um, but anyway, sorry. Oh yeah. So yeah, I'll usually be in the press box um, for most of the game. Um, and then post win. Uh, those are always fun. Um, post win, I'll usually head down to the field and, and grab guys shouting at the camera and, um, you know, getting kind of that, that post game, post win excitement, um, and getting that in real time and getting that out. And then, you know, we're usually here like an hour or two after the game ends to run pressers and to get out articles and to get out, you know, victory graphics and, highlight reels and, and all these recaps. And so, um, you know, I, I love that it's such a grind and it's like, you know, only so many people in the world know what it's like. And, you know, so we're all kind of, uh, in it together in the sense, like me and the digital social marketing team, really, um, just working together to, to get out all this great content on, on a game day. Um, and, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll grab food once and it's over. Maybe we'll grab drinks or something to celebrate. And then I usually go home and go right to bed. Fair. Absolutely. <laughs> very fair. I say this on the pod a lot, but I often there are friends at the games that are like, so can you like grab something to eat or a drink at 430? I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's about it's, no, no, I cannot. It's- and it's funny too, because like I'll have friends that invite me out on like a Saturday night, and I'm like, guys, you know I work Sunday mornings. Like it's the same thing. Like, come on. Yeah, it is. You it know is. better. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's very funny. But I also get it. Like if you're not in it, you're not in yeah. it. So I can see yeah. both sides. But it does. It definitely, um, you know, definitely makes it up. Or I, I, I think it's gotten better now. But the first couple years I did this, I was constantly getting invites to Sunday brunches. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I won't, I can't, I can't be at your Sunday brunch, but thank you for the invite. I guess it's nice to be invited. <laughs> I know. As much as I love brunch, I also love my job. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. So I'm going to have to see you in February. Right. Um, well, this has been awesome, Patty. I feel like, as I said at the beginning, I get to see you do your job a lot. And I feel like I learned so much. So I'm sure our listeners feel the same way. So thank you for sharing this with us. This has been awesome and really good advice. All of it has just been great. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And I always get really nervous when I get on podcasts because, like I said, I'm just used to working behind the scenes. Um, but I think <laughs> at the same time, it's important to to shed light on on some of these jobs and, and to encourage other women to, to look into them. So I, this is, it has been awesome well i am very glad to hear that but you know i can't let you go until we do fangirl favorite five fun facts so without further ado five fun facts with patty kwan all right patty what's your favorite moment in sports 
definitely winning the NFC Championship at Levi's Stadium back in 2019. Your life motto. Don't let anyone outwork you. Ooh, I like that. That's great. (laughs) That's a really good one. Go to workout. Boxing, for sure. Ooh, that sounds fun, too. We might have to do that sometime. Go to coffee order. Phil's Ice Ecstatic Sweet and Creamy. Oh, Phil's is so good. I love Phil's. Also, fun fact about Phil's, they have string cheese. So if you guys are looking for a mid-afternoon snack and a coffee, good spot. Uh, Maybe now Phil's would like to listen to the podcast. Um, And last but certainly not least, a book every woman should read. Mm, Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan. Excellent. I read that book. It's a good book. Um, Thank you, Patty. This was fantastic. So thank you again for joining me. If you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, make sure to rate and leave a review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.